Hello, and welcome to our podcast. This is Shraddha and Rupert talking about the passion topics around org design and talent transformation and whatnot. Here we talk about all the practical aspects about org design and what is important to think about, so theoretical and big picture as well. Unpacking Organizations, the Practitioner's Podcast. Sponsored by OrgView. See tomorrow's business today. So today I am going to ask Rupert some questions as we kick off this podcast. And the first question that I have for you, Rupert, is in the last time when we were talking about, you mentioned a phrase called understand the work and then understand the workforce, which I feel has a lot of meaning to it. And I would like to unpack that today. So let's start. Let's start there. Let's start by understanding what do you mean by that? So, so the work is, is literally that. What work are you doing? What are the activities? What are the actions? What are the things that people, human beings like you and I are doing? So you wake up in the morning and you go to work. What are you doing? It, it's, it's really simple. Um, how are you doing it? And the work is done to achieve an objective. Um, I might be in a sales role and so I'm following up on leads or I'm trying to close a deal or negotiate a deal. I might be in marketing and I might be writing copy or working on an event um, or branding. So there's this, such a richness of the work that people are actually doing. I, I think about my, my children. They say, so daddy, you know, what is it you do? <laughs> and when, when, when they do that, I don't say, well, my job title and my position and who I report to. Right. I talk about the work. I talk about what I'm doing on a daily basis. And, and, and to achieve the outcomes, to execute your strategy and achieve the outcomes you want as a business, you want the right people doing the right work. Um, and, and what that really means is the people who've got the skills and the capabilities to be effective at doing it but not too effective. I, I sometimes, I, doctors talk about, um, and surgeons in particular say, well, you want a board surgeon. Like you want a sur surgeon who's done it lots and lots of times because they're probably gonna get it right. But you, maybe outside of surgeons, you, you don't want to be too bored. You want to be challenged as well by the work. And, and so designing it so that people are moving forward and learning and staying fresh is important. So what I hear you is that the work is beyond titles. And I think that is a classic thing that we do in organization design is to think about titles first, think about hierarchies first. But what I hear you talk about is that think about the work first, that what is the work that we need to do and rest everything will happen, that that will get designed. Is that right? Spot on, 100%. I, you, don't, you don't say to your children, I am X. You say, I do Y, the work. Um, when people do org design and they don't understand how to do org design, they start with the org chart. They, they start with a, a piece of paper or a napkin and they draw boxes. And, and, and that, that's a very political process. It's like, well, I have Adam and Bridget and I, I, I really like Adam and Bridget's new and I don't really trust Bridget, so I'm going to give Adam more. 
and it's political and Adam's lobbying me and I owe Adam and that's all complicated and it's all into human relationships. So as soon as you start talking about boxes with people's names, it's P with a capital P and it's just difficult. And it leads to suboptimal outcomes. And so by focusing on the work, you actually have to ask the question, what are we trying to achieve? And what what is the key work? And there's so much hype continuously in, in management world. Um, the latest hype now is AI. AI is going to change everything. It's 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 big. And and what is the so? But it's actually how's the AI going to help the work? Is is my fundamental question. How's it going to make the work more effective, more productive, more enjoyable? And so that's the lens where we're coming from. Understand the work. And from that, you have a basis to then understand the workforce. And eventually, you can get to, you know, the structure. Absolutely. And I think as you were talking, it also makes me think about that it's important to talk about not work that we are currently doing today, but where we want to evolve our organization to be and what we need to be doing tomorrow. So what are the long-term capabilities that we need to be thinking about? And I feel that as a practitioner, that is where the most entanglement happen when I'm doing the work, because there is so much of legacy that goes in when we start thinking about what are we doing today? Like, what are the bodies of work that we are doing today? And um, we just are so attached to that work that we really don't know where to stop, what to focus more on, and what to say that this is important even though it is really hard and it will take a lot of effort for us to do. So talk to us about some of the steps that you think you take um, or are important when we think about understanding and designing the work before we go into these uh, next org design overall. Yeah. So the, so, the, so the first thing is to try and describe it. And we, we describe it through taxonomies. It's the easiest way. Because you have, let's say, OP&A or HR. And within HR, you have OP&A. Within OP&A, you have org design, then workforce planning. And then within org design, you have the macro, which is understand the strategy, articulate the strategy, come up with design options, come up with case for change. So these are different pieces of work. And so you're building a taxonomy and there's an art to building the taxonomy. Um, us consultants have this beautiful uh, phrase that we, we got from a lady called Barbara Minto um, called Misi. And Misi, um, even though apparently Barbara pronounces it Mies, but um, we will call it MISI, which is mutually exclusive, collectively exhaustive. And so I want to understand the elephant, like what is all, all the work? Let's break it down into chunks that if I'm writing a job description, those are the items where I'd say this is the work that you need to do. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a real practical challenge here, which is what level of granularity do you go to? And in... Uh, my my book, Data Driven Organization Design. I say, well, imagine you're describing. I need to feed the staff. 
Well, if you have a single person canteen and it's one person buying the food, you know, sourcing the food, preparing the food, serving it and doing the dishes and coming up with the menu and everything, feed staff is a sufficient level of detail for the taxonomy. Um, but if you, you know, have lots of restaurants in your canteens and it's really complicated and you have thousands of staff, well, you probably have people developing the menus, you have people sourcing the food, you have people preparing and preparing the food and serving and they're all different. So I need to break down the level of detail more. Um, once you have the taxonomy... That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point that it depends upon the complexity and the scale, right? Like those yes. are the two things to think about when you're writing and breaking down the uh, taxonomy because practically when I have done it, there have been times when people go to such a granular detail that it's like, this is the work that I'm doing once in five years and I have to really put attention to that. But that's not important. Where we have to say is that what is at scale, what is complex, and go there. Great. Exactly. Thank you. And 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 you know, verbs. Verbs are so you have a verb at the beginning mm. of an activity. So mm. conduct a study or interview. You know, candidates. You know, um, design or write the JD. You know, these are these are verbs. Uh, and, and, and having them, so if anyone reads them, it's quite clear what that work is. And it sits within the broader taxonomy. So I've got, say, talent acquisition, and I've got the different tasks that happen in talent acquisition. I know it's in talent acquisition. Because the next step is then understand the as is. Understand where is the effort currently being spent? What are we doing today? Because if I know today, I can change tomorrow. And if I don't know where I am today, it's quite hard to change for tomorrow. So... That is typically done by running um, surveys of to employees. There are different ways of doing this, and there are different ways of asking the question. I find it best to ask the employees themselves. Some people like to ask the managers, and I like to ask, you know, what work are you doing today? And a way of doing it, you can say, what percent of time do you spend doing this work? But I have a slight issue with that because... How do you know the percent? So I, I prefer to ask, how frequently do you do it? And how much time does it take? Because if you do it once in a blue moon, that if I do it once a year and it takes an hour, that's negligible. But if, if I do it every day for an hour, that's a big chunk of my, my working life. And that also helps me understand the work in a bit, a bit more detail because I like to dimensionalize it. So what work is strategic, what work is operational, what work is transactional? I say dimensionalize to analyze. So, so we, we bring in that data from employees, ideally. Um, there's a lot of positioning around that, that they don't see it as a threat, that they understand the taxonomy, that it's about improving the work, etc. So the, there's a lot of change management in doing this. I think that is, that is key to it. Because the people should not feel threatened about this exercise or they should have like a level of trust that this is not like a cost-cutting exercise. When I say that I'm not doing this work or doing a mundane work more, I have some kind of like, you know, challenge uh, or it will come back and bite me. Um, so that kind of trust and transparency and change management is equally important um, as we do this work. And, and, and let's say hypothetically that it is about cost savings. 
Mm-hmm. Let, let's say that we need to take 10% cost out. Right. Well, you can still say to people how we, we, we need to take costs out. Um, people, but to do that, we want to make sure we're optimizing the work and then right-sizing around the work that needs to be done. And you may or may not be affected. We don't know. But we're actually trying, we're doing this so that when we're done, we know that the effort is going to be right and the best. Now, that, that might be difficult in certain circumstances to do. That might be a message that's hard to convey. But when people are asked to go or when they're staying and they're the survivors, it's nice to know that a robust process has been gone through and that it isn't just about getting rid of certain people of certain job titles um, We don't even understand what they do. And I, I think that's sometimes unforgivable um, I, the number of times that people have been made redundant or at risk of redundancy and the impact of what they're doing is so great and it's just not understood because the way it's being done is, is top-down based on structure alone. Now, I, I, I get to do, the, to do it from a work perspective like I'm describing takes effort and time, which is why you shouldn't do it when you need to cut cost. You should do it to make everything better and then if you happen to be in difficulty and you need to reduce cost, you have that information so you can act quickly. Yeah, this is so well said because I think that is important that we don't do this as a exercise when we just have to think about cost efficiencies. But we do this exercise to actually make us more effective and to do it in a way that is meaningful for people. And people always appreciate the transparencies. They always appreciate the right messaging rather than doing it in a hush-hush and a political way. So while you're right that sometimes these messagings are tough, it is the right thing to do. Yeah. And if you're doing it for the right purpose up front, you're building that. And, and so then once you've got that um, and you, you ask people, do you enjoy this work? Do you think you're good at it? Like... I, I, you know, I call it an IAA, individual activity analysis. Um, I love creating TLAs. TLA is a three-letter acronym. Um, forgive me. <laughs> um, love it. I am, I am, you know, I am that guy that likes to invent acronyms. Um, so we all do. We just all do. <laughs> so. What work do you enjoy and not enjoy? Then you see people. Often you say, well, this is why so-and-so is resigning. Because you look at the work they're doing and you can see why they're totally demotivated. And, and then the next phase is to optimize. And, and, and so there are, there are two R's and two I's around optimization. The first R is reduce. What work should you stop doing or re- reduce the effort in doing it? Um, if you need to make big cost savings, let's say you need to take 10, 20%, well, then you have to st- probably stop doing certain things. You just can't do it all. Um, and then the next R is reallocate. So what work do you consolidate? So quite, quite often you'll see people spending 5% of their time doing an activity and lots of people spending 5% of their time. So imagine you have 40 people spending 5% of their time doing an activity or could you have two FTEs just take that work off them, consolidate it, um, and and then you know that's a way of 
changing the work. Absolutely. And we and we see that 5% across different parts of organization. So it is so like spread out and shadow functions doing the same job that we don't even need that. Like, you know, the 5% perhaps consolidate into 200%, but we actually need 100%. Like, you know, we just need yeah. one FTE for that, right? Exactly. And then the other is reassign. So... Is it done by people that are too senior and it can be done by someone more junior? Is it done in, in a really expensive location? It could be done in a cheaper location. Why are we doing this in Manhattan or London? Could it be done somewhere else? So reassigning, you know, is it done by um, one function? It could be done by another function. So, you know, it could be done by the business units and you could move it to a shared server. So that's reassign. And those are the two R's. And then we have the two I's. The first I is improve. And within improve, you've got improve efficiency. Now, that can be done through AI or automation. Um, if, if I have AI, I, I can become maybe 50% more productive at getting copy out, as an example, from a marketing perspective. Uh, but also just good old-fashioned process redesign. Just there are too many handoffs. There are too many checks. There are too many whatever that the, the, you know, the steps don't make sense. So good old-fashioned process redesign, uh, digitization, what work is manual, we could digitize it. There's a whole slew of ways of how we can improve efficiency. So I, I feel that um, the layers in the organization, not the, not the hierarchical layers, but the process layers in the organization are so important to think about because in order to take sometimes one approval, you need 17 different hoops to jump. And that, that is, that sometimes just blows my mind that it happens through legacy, but unless we don't have like an intentional process to redesign it, sometimes it just goes on for decades because this is how we do the work here. Exactly. You just get used to the mess in your in in your living room. You just you don't see the mess anymore. It's just there. <laughs> right. And then you move home. You're like, right. well, why do I leave that mess in my living room? Should you be doing the work at all yourself? That there might be people far better uh, and, and better from a, a delivery, but maybe just from a cost efficiency or access to talent, any number of reasons. Outsource it. What do you keep in house? What do you not? The the last I is invest so that was improve and the last one is invest two types of invest it's, it's very similar to the it's the opposite of the reduce the first r so grow we're doing a little bit of it it is very impactful let's do more let's grow this work um an example of that might be work design we're doing a little bit of work design the impact on the employees is huge the impact on productivity is massive so let's do more of that please. That, that's also a, uh, a plea. And, and then invest. There's work you're not doing that you should be doing. And, and, and a lot of the time, you know, good work designers using the hours to free up resource so you can do the stuff that has a bigger impact. And, and so once you've then understood how much work is needed in which, in which bucket, you can then do the allocation, so where do accountabilities sit? So which roles should be responsible for the work? Which roles are doing the work? And if it's decisions, 
where do you need approvals? So that's TLA, RAD, responsible, approve, do. Um, and then that's from that you right size and then you now we're into the world of structure and, and you know, the good old-fashioned sticks and boxes and, and positions and, and roles, et cetera, which we can talk about another time. Absolutely. I think there is a lot into it that we really need to cover next time. But I feel that there is another aspect of it around this understanding this work. I feel that there is a timing about it as well. And I, you, you touched upon it a little bit um, just a few minutes back. If we're thinking that we just need to th- sometimes we are just too late to think about it. Um, and we get to it when it's already so much pressure around cost, so much pressure from the business to do it fast and do it really politically charged way. We already are losing that battle and it's not the best way to get this done. I think the best way to do this is in a way that is part of the overall yearly annual process. And I know that perhaps when we do this one time, it will feel very messy and difficult. But once it becomes a part of annual process, like how we do performance management, how we do, say, talent assessment on a very regular basis, this needs to be done at a regular basis at a pace which is not every time doing it because we have a business pressure to do that. And I think that timing is, a, in my mind, is a key that we miss out. What do you think about that, Rupert? I mean, I couldn't agree more. Totally agree. And I also think it will empower managers to have better conversations. Right. Because, hey, I'm speaking to my, my team and I can speak to my manager. Like, what work am I doing? Does this make sense, given my objectives? I mean, you know, you, you talked about the performance management process. How are we even doing that? Like, it, it's, 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 it's a bit hopeless to say, well, have you achieved your outcomes? Have you achieved your objectives? Well, if I'm not doing the right work, I won't. If I, if I don't have the right, if I've got too many obstacles in my way, the, the world is it's too complex. So um, I, I grew up on a sheep farm, Shredder, and one, one of the pieces of work we do on a sheep farm is you share sheep. And sharing sheep, um, you, ha- you have people who are, and I actually was born in the capital of the world of sharing sheep. It's a town called Masterton in the middle of New Zealand. And when you're, you know, sharing sheep is, I mean, A, it's extremely physically demanding. Now, how do you pay sharers? You pay them per sheep because I can measure their output. I know precisely how many sheep they've shorn, and I, I pay. If, and then the more proficient you are at your skill, and you know, let's face it, it's a brutal task. So physically fit you are, the more you can produce. Most roles are not like that. Most roles is not even if you're in sales. If I'm in sales. But I'm depending on how good is the product, what kind of leads do I get, what kind of um, support am I getting for the sales, like through consultants, et cetera. So even if I'm in sales, it is not so obvious, like, what the outcome is. So I think this idea, and, and Daniel Pink talked a, a lot about this as well and, and, and others, 
it, because the world is not as simple as what it was when I was growing up on the sheep farm, you need mechanisms. And, and if I'm a manager and I'm managing you, or then when I sit down in my review, and, I'm, and by the way, it probably shouldn't be once a year. It should be, probably should be more frequently. What are you trying to achieve? I, do you, what work do you need to do to achieve that? And then what are the blockers? What's getting in the way? Are we clear? And then topic for another day, but do you have the skills, the competencies to be effective at doing that work? And if you don't, what are we going to do about it? Uh, you know, that's, that's L&D or that maybe there's some other skills we need to bring into the organisation, some other people. So this is a dynamic conversation. And I think we, I, I feel sorry for managers. Um, and I feel we need to be giving managers more tools to have better conversations with their teams so they can be more effective. So I agree it is a process um, in a dynamic world that's changing as, as, as rapidly as it always does. Is it annual or is it more frequent? Question. But certainly annuals, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. So we, we've said two takeaways. I think we've probably gone on long enough although we could go on forever, obviously. Um, <laughs> two, two takeaways. Um, Shredder, what what's your takeaway? Um, I think listening to you, listening to you, I feel that the biggest takeaway that I have is that if you are doing some work, ask the question, how is this work adding value to the business? How, where is this work sitting and what is it doing to your business and I think not just you as an individual contributor but if you are manager of people take a stock of that for all the work that your team is doing and just give them that bigger picture right that how is this work actually adding to the business value what do you think Rupert what what is your takeaway totally agree with that Mine is the human. Hmm. These are human beings. These are not AI robots. These are humans. Right. They might be augmented with AI and robots, but they're human beings with lives and families and mortgages, um, but also aspirations. So uh, are they enjoying the work? Are they are they feeling safe in doing the work? Um, does it motivate them? And if you can bring the human into that, then I think that it has as big an impact on employee engagement as almost anything else that you can do. Um, and so they'll they'll be Beautiful. more productive and they'll be more loyal and they'll and, and the world will be, dare I say it, a, a better place. So I know finance loves this. Um, a lot of the clients that we sell this work into is finance because it's important to understand the cost of the work and, 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 and to count right. it. But the, the bigger impact for me is actually the human impact, which is, which is why I believe you know, HR, human resources, the human is there, needs to be all over this. Beautiful. And I think that then leads to the well-being. Like people feel just better doing that work because they find the sense of purpose in it. They find a sense of meaning in it. And that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Rupert. Always a pleasure. Always fun. Thanks, Shredder. Loved it. Until next time.